You're listening to To Dine for the Podcast, the Shot Put Media production, presented by MasterCard. Start something priceless. What's better in life than a bottle of wine, great food, and an amazing conversation? My name is Kate Sullivan, and I am the host of To Dine For. I'm a journalist, a foodie, a traveler with an appetite for the stories of people who are hungry for more. Dreamers, visionaries, artists, those who hustle hard in the direction they love. I travel with them to their favorite restaurant to hear how they did it. This show is a toast to them and their American dream. To Dine For the Podcast is brought to you by Terlato Wine Group, Lavazza, and American National Insurance. I live in Chicago, and right about now, the leaves are falling and so are the temperatures. This makes me want to grab a glass of red, find a fire pit, and a cozy sweater. If you are looking for a wine recommendation, may I suggest the 2018 Hannah Cabernet from Sonoma County. If you prefer white wine, the 2021 Hannah Chardonnay is a great option. This female-led winery offers absolutely delicious options for your fall table. Great pairing with more savory dishes or to share a bottle with friends. Hannah Winery brings the rich and unique terroir of Sonoma County right to your home in every glass. Cheers, everyone. To Dine for the Podcast is brought to you by Lavazza. Four generations of the Lavazza family have been working to perfect the art of blending coffee since 1895 with a devotion to making coffee moments special. Signature blend Lavazza Classico, with its intensely rich flavor and sweet aromatic notes, is a celebration of the Italian way of life in every cup, and is available any way you brew your coffee. To Dine For the Podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. For 115 years, American National has remained committed to helping people and communities make a real difference in their lives. American National supports great local community organizations led by the kind of people you hear about on To Dine For, people who are inspired to make a difference and inspire others in return. American National's philosophy is helping where it's needed helps us all. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write, and the states in which they're licensed, visit AmericanNational.com slash dine. Hi, everyone, and welcome to To Dine For The Podcast, where we meet the world's most creative and visionary minds at their favorite restaurant. On today's episode is Nikki Leandakis. Self-study is an important concept in yoga, but it's a really important part of being a successful leader. It's very hard to be a successful leader if you're unconscious to your own patterns. Nikki Leandakis is the Chief Executive Officer of Core Power Yoga, one of the largest yoga studios in the country with more than 200 studios. Throughout her career, Nikki has worked to build and lead diverse and customer-centric teams. She has more than 30 years of experience building lifestyle brands and creating award-winning workplace cultures, including, get ready for it, Equinox Fitness Club, Two Roads Hospitality, and Kimpton Hotels. She has a fascinating career trajectory And now that it is the month of January, I think she might also have some insight in how to keep those New Year's resolutions and how to start a new fitness plan. Please enjoy my interview with Nikki Leandakis. 
Hi, Nikki. How are you? Wonderful. How are you? Excellent. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on to Dine for the podcast. Sure. Absolutely. This is going to be fun. It's a pleasure for me. You know, I started my career in restaurants. So yes. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Where specifically? When you say you started your career in restaurants, where? Gosh, I mean, it depends on how you define career. I mean, I was a, I was a, I worked in restaurants through high school and college, um, and, and you know, paid my way through school working in restaurants. And so did I. Where were you? I was in uh, Massachusetts, and so was um, I. Went to the University of Massachusetts. I studied hotel and restaurant management in college at UMass, and then I, I had a, a long career in um, food and beverage. Amazing. Um, and where specifically in Massachusetts did you grow up? West Springfield, the western part of the state. Yes. Okay. So I'm from 40 minutes south of Boston in a town called Lakeville that no one's ever heard of. <laughs> Even I have never heard of Lakeville. <laughs> <laughs> but we're both Massachusetts girls, which I love. Um, so I'm going to, I always start the podcast the same way. And it, it's a tougher question for some than others. And that is if you were going to take me to one restaurant that you really love, that you feel like might tell a little bit of your story, where would that be? If I was going to take you or could pick one restaurant that I would go to, it's Kokari um, in San Francisco. Really? I don't know if you, you're familiar. No. Tell me about it. It's a lovely Greek restaurant in the city. It's been there over 20 years now. I remember when it first opened, but the the owners of that restaurant really wanted to bring great Greek food to the city of San Francisco at that time, there weren't any great Greek restaurants. There was a mom and pop here or there that, you know, were not the kind of place that you'd go for an entire dining experience. And sure. So they, they did a beautiful job with the interior design, hired a fantastic chef and brought in like family recipes, the, the, the two partners from their mothers, this kind of thing. And the environment is always bustling. It's full of a, a lot of prominent people in the city, but what makes it really great is the food and the service. Mm. And a nod to your Greek heritage, I would imagine. Yes. Yes, it is. (laughs) With a name like Leandakis. The dishes on the menu remind me of my childhood growing up and the kind of food, you know, my family cooked and yeah. So it all comes together for me there. It's I've hosted many, many um, special occasions there. People have thrown me birthday parties there. It's a great, great restaurant and I love it. I love it. And I thank you for sharing that and, and sharing a little bit of who you are. Take me back to the University of Massachusetts Amherst because you've had such a stellar career as an executive woman. But I'm wondering when you were a senior at UMass Amherst, what you wanted to be and who you wanted to be. Yeah, I wanted to own my own chain of restaurants. That was you my did. goal. Really? <laughs> yes, that was absolutely my goal. But I also knew that I had a lot to learn. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to go work for Marriott. I was very clear that I want to work for Marriott. They have the best training programs. I'll learn how to run the business, how to be a profitable restaurant. You know, Marriott hotels, believe it or not, started in food and beverage. So I, I just wanted to really learn how to manage the business side of it. I, I understood the experience side of it, but but I wanted to learn from the best. And then for, I would take those learnings after a few years and start my own chain of restaurants. That was my idea. Okay. At what point 
did you pivot? And at what point did your idea of your career trajectory get reimagined? Because you have worked at some really amazing companies. You've worked at Kimpton Hotels, obviously still in the hospitality industry. You've worked at Equinox Gyms, which is just an amazing brand and they do incredible job. As you set out to own all a, a chain of restaurants, when did you realize maybe your skill set had changed or what you wanted to pursue? I would say it was pretty early on. I think after three years with Marriott, I went to work for Ritz-Carlton and spent eight years with Ritz-Carlton. And I, I realized that I actually had some skill and talent for a wide range of things mm-hmm. that I thought in hotel food and beverage, I really enjoyed all of it, the catering side of it. And I also realized once I was in the business, you know, as a manager responsible for a profit and loss statement, I realized just how hard it was to actually make money mm-hmm. <laughs> in restaurants. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's not an easy business from a it profit standpoint. Yes. And I think I, you know, very quickly saw the difficulties with the business and the margins and made a decision that, you know, I'm not sure I have the heart of an entrepreneur to to stomach living on the razor's edge as restaurants, many restaurants do. And I actually have a knack for this sort of hospitality thing. And I like it a lot. I I think it was maybe within a year or so of working at Ritz-Carlton, I was kind of into my career trajectory as now a food and beverage expert in the hotel realm. You really summited as a female executive. And I'm wondering in the first like 10 years as a young woman, what trait you felt like really served you well as you navigated those waters of being a female manager and leader? In those early years, I was a sponge and I I just wanted to learn everything I could. I was a voracious learner. Mm -hmm. I spent, you know, my nights and my early mornings, I'd work in the pastry shop. I'd work in the butcher shop voluntarily to learn. I wanted to understand from the butcher or for the, from the pastry chef or even helping plate up in the kitchen, like the, the whole inner workings of how the food came together. I wanted, I wanted to understand how many people it takes to make all these things and, you know, ingredients and and just the, the whole, the backside of the business. And so I think the fact that I worked so hard at developing my technical skills was a big factor in my success. I think that I was a really hard worker. Mm -hmm. Um, I was very driven was a big factor in my success. And I think those two things as a woman were baseline for me to even be at the table, I had yes. to have that competency. Right. I couldn't slide by without it. Mm-hmm. But I also think, I think I had a level of emotional intelligence that helped me navigate a landscape that was foreign to me. Meaning I was the only woman at the table. I was the first woman to ever become a food and beverage director at Ritz-Carlton Hotels. You wow. know, we're talking in the 80s. So people weren't as aware. Absolutely. And you didn't have the support system. You didn't even, you weren't even allowed to really talk about it if you had an issue that you felt had to do with gender. You had to kind of absorb whatever issue you had 
kind of put on a brave face and and figure it out, right? So right. there was nowhere to there go. There was nowhere to go. To yeah, exactly. Anyone. I didn't have a female mentor. There weren't role models for me. So I would just say that a lot of hard work, you know, perseverance, but also just the emotional intelligence to to navigate a landscape that was not intuitive to me because it wasn't anything they were doing differently from anyone else. The whole right. business world was created by men for men. Yeah, um, Women weren't in managerial roles, in leadership roles. They weren't at the table. So the norms of behavior across all companies were just male norms of behavior. Right. I would imagine that you had the skill of deference and that you really had to read a room and defer to uh, situations over and over again, because that was really your only default. Yeah, deference for sure, which is an interesting, I, I've not thought of it that way, but that's an interesting notion for someone who is a part of my evolution has been dealing with my rebelliousness. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see yourself as a re- as a rebel? I, I did when I was young and yeah. I I still have elements of it in me, mm-hmm. but I've I've learned to channel that rebellion into constructive and positive ways. (laughs) If it was for the right reason and it made sense to me, I would do it. But I wasn't someone who just liked rules for rules sake. Mm -hmm. I get that. And so I really believed in that company. Like Mm -hmm. I believed in the why I, uh, Mm -hmm. I, you know, I believed in the service culture. I believed in the way employees were taken care of and cared for. And I believed in the way the employees were inspired to take care of the guests. Mm-hmm. So that came from a place of conviction and belief in, in the mission. Mm-hmm. I aligned with that and I thought it was wonderful. So it was easy for me to get on board with, I believe in this and I'm going to work my you know, tail off mm-hmm. to, to be successful and to be part of this because I believe in what we're doing. But the ways of being it in that era, not just that company, but everywhere in the 80s were just not easy for women. Like we there were no women before us in our roles. So we thought we had to emulate the men. So we dressed like them and we adopted a lot of male behaviors, and I did too. Yeah, I think that's what I meant by deference. I, I think I really should have used the word adaptability. Yeah. I really had to, as you said, assimilate. Yeah. We'll have more on this conversation in just a minute. But first, thank you to our sponsor. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
To Dine For the podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. There's a funny thing about most insurance commercials, whether they feature lizards or birds or funny cartoon characters. It seems like they want you to think about anything but insurance. American National, on the other hand, has real local agents who get to know you so they can help you reach better decisions about your insurance to make sure you're protecting what matters most to you. American National agents are part of your community. They're your neighbors. So whether it's solutions for your home, your small business, your farm, or your life, you can count on your local American National agent to make sure you get the discounts you deserve and the protection you need without paying for extras you don't. With American National, you get an ally, not just a web page. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write in the states in which they're licensed, visit AmericanNational.com dine. I live in Chicago, and right about now, the leaves are falling and so are the temperatures. This makes me want to grab a glass of red, find a fire pit, and a cozy sweater. If you are looking for a wine recommendation, may I suggest the 2018 Hannah Cabernet from Sonoma County. If you prefer white wine, the 2021 Hannah Chardonnay is a great option. This female-led winery offers absolutely delicious options for your fall table. Great pairing with more savory dishes or to share a bottle with friends. Hannah Winery brings the rich and unique terroir of Sonoma County right to your home in every glass. Cheers, everyone. Now back to our conversation. You are currently the CEO of Core Power Yoga. Tell me about your decision to take that job and what challenge did you see there and what did you think you could bring to the table? Yoga has been a part of my life for decades. It's, 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 I've been practicing yoga before it was really mainstream. Mm-hmm. So I have a deep passion for the transformative power of yoga to human beings. So that was truly my reason for coming Mm. is that I believe in what yoga can do for people from a higher purpose standpoint. I have to be inspired by a higher purpose to do what I do. Mm. And so that inspiration comes from deep within the business of, of core power yoga. I actually practice yoga at core power yoga before I became CEO. And I would go and there were things I loved about it, which is why I went and thought were really impressive. And I couldn't help, I could not turn off my business mind, even though I went in to find peace and, you know, practice yoga, I'd still walk in and have all these, oh, this is really smart. They do this this way. I see how this, you know, the teacher is checking the students in that way. She sees their names on the way in and she can use their name in the class. That makes sense to me. How smart instead of having someone else do that, you know, and I saw all these very good um, things from a business standpoint happening. And I practice and then I'd lie in Savasana at the end of the class. And I'd be, <laughs> well, if I was CEO of this company, I would grow it into, you know, and I'd start imagining possibilities. Wow. Really? So this actually happened before the role opened up? For sure. Wow. So you almost manifested it. You almost brought it into being by lying in Shavasana, dreaming of what you could do differently with, with core power. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story I, about manifesting it. I would do that. And the long and short of it is I had some difficult, tragic times that happened. 2017, my house burned down in Northern California wildfires. Oh, so a year later, my husband died of a sudden heart attack. Oh, so wow. I was in this very... Um, difficult personal time. Anyway, I, I took a break from working 
and I was not working. And it was about, I don't know, seven, eight months after my husband had passed. And I was talking to my sister about, I don't know what I want to do next. Like, I don't know, you know, I've, I've, I've led hotel companies, been CEO now of a couple of hotel companies and in Equinox and what's next for me. And I don't, you know, maybe I should start my own thing. I don't know. And I was struggling. And she said, if you could run any company anywhere, what would it be? And without blinking an eye, I said, oh, I'd love to run Core Power Yoga. Aha. Wow. So that you put it out in the universe. (laughs) That's the short version of the conversation. Long story short, two months later, a phone call from a search firm. We're looking for a CEO for Core Power Yoga. Wow. No, well, and, and let me just stop you there because not only did you, you said that to your sister, right? It was your sister you were talking to. That's right. And you said it in a way of in, that was like a dream, what I'd love to do. But you also were at a, at a juncture in your career where you probably wanted something that felt completely aligned and really very personal to you. And it sounds like since you've you already had a love of yoga, this was truly a dynamic fit. Yes, it was. And you 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 captured that well. At that point in my life, I'd gone through all this, you know, personal turmoil and transition that time is precious. Yes. And it's and 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 life is precious. And spending any of my time on anything had to be deeply meaningful. Right, right. And I find this what because I interview a lot of highly successful people is that sometimes success can take you to a place you don't want to be. Meaning you can be so successful that you're working more, you're working harder, you're working, you, you, the demands are even greater, the higher you go on the ladder and your life, but your life quality goes down. <laughs> and no one tells you that until you're up there. Right. That that can happen. It kind of similar to like money doesn't buy happiness, either right. success or money doesn't right. bring happiness. Well, people who are listening, I think are going to be really inspired by your story, Nikki. I always tell people the, I think it's it's either Google or Facebook. It's an interview question when they ask a, a new candidate to close their eyes and to imagine a day at work where they hit out of the ballpark, where they're doing something that they are firing all, all cylinders and that they absolutely love. And to to sit there, to imagine it and to open their eyes. And what are they doing? Did they nail a presentation? Did they just make a sale? Are they the CEO of a company? What are they actually doing? What is the work that they love? And that's what you should go and do. And it sounds like your sister unknowingly asked that very question to you and kind of set you up for success. So let me tell you, let me ask you this. When you took over as CEO, what did you see as one of your top pain points that you felt like you could bring value to? The industry of yoga is and and was it's just now, you know, three years in January since I, I became CEO of Core Power. And what I saw as a pain point was that the industry was really in the Western world perceived to be, and in many cases was, and still is largely white women. Mm-hmm. And that yoga needs to be brought to all people. There's an opportunity to bring yoga to the masses in a way that it's accessible and approachable and available to all. Mm-hmm. 
So that's what I saw. And Core Power is the largest yoga company, not just in the US, but in the world. Wow. And that there's an opportunity to change the face of the yoga industry so that it's attracting more people than the perceived, you know, skinny white woman's practice. Absolutely. I have been a member of Core Power Yoga since 2010 and for 12 years now. Wonderful. Yeah. In the downtown Chicago area, I would go to all of the different classes. And so it's been wonderful to sort of see the evolution of your company, you know, through the years. And how do you think a renewed and truly powerful new direction towards health and wellness, which really started in the past 10 years, but is now stronger than ever. How is Core Power Yoga harnessing that momentum that is going on culturally in America? You can feel it as people are, just like you did in 2017, where you're having a a moment where you're saying, you know, what do I really want to do? I think people are doing that with their health and wellness like never before. Don't you think so? Couldn't agree more. And mental health as well. Like health and wellness has now evolved to include mental health. Which is awesome. Right? I think that's one of the things that COVID put a spotlight on is the importance of mental health. Yeah. So now health and wellness does include mental health and yoga is so beneficial. There's so much research that shows how beneficial yoga can be um, to mental health as well as physical um, emotional and spiritual well-being to to harness this momentum that the increasing awareness of the importance of health and wellness and the increasing commitment people have to their own health and wellness. We have done a couple of things. One, back to what I said earlier about the opportunity to bring yoga to more people than just the perceived current practitioner, mm-hmm. you know, as white woman. So we created a a diversity, equity, inclusion, and now we call it DEIB, belonging Mm. strategy to the company. And we did that in 2020 very, very quickly. And because it was, it was something I saw in January, 2020, when I started part of my mission to bring that. And I had focused on that a lot in my prior companies as well. And I'll just give you a, a reason why. Not only in my career was I so often the only woman at the table and felt like an alien in someone else's world and had to adapt, um, which took up a lot of energy. And there were times I was hiding my best assets, you know, Mm. you know, compassion, caring, because I was trying so hard to prove that I was tough enough to be with, you know, at the table with the guys Mm. um, and not leveraging some of the things that are actually beneficial to leadership. I also grew up you know, in an immigrant family. And, you know, my parents on both sides are Greek. They spoke Greek at home. We ate different foods. We weren't accepted. We were made fun of as kids. Mm-hmm. And and it was hard to be different. I grew up in a small town. There was no diversity. We were as much diversity as existed. Mm-hmm. So we were always the object of, you know, children's just making fun of us and calling out these differences. And so I never felt like I belonged and Mm -hmm. that, that need to feel belonging for me was such an important part of my childhood. And then the same thing in my career because of my gender difference, 
it's been a big part of who I am as a leader and who I am as the CEO, the importance of creating environments where everyone feels a sense of belonging and no one should after ever have to go anywhere and try to be somebody else to feel accepted or fit in or hide a part of themselves to feel like they can be there. So that was part of my initial mission when I got to Core Power because it's just part of who I am. And so we we launched BIPOC teacher training scholarships based mm-hmm. on the idea that if we could bring in more people of color, people from underrepresented populations into yoga teaching, then right. people would say, okay, the teacher looks like me. Maybe sure. this is the place I can go. Sure. Um, so that became, and, and then we put all our people through, you know, diversity training and educated the thousands of employees, every single employee at Core Power Yoga, so that we had sensitivity and awareness to not alienate people, make people feel alienated because of unconscious bias or blindness to what we should have been aware of all along. And so we've put over 1800 people now through these BIPOC teacher trainings to change the face of our teacher base, as well as the industry's teacher base. We, we did not require that they taught for us. We just wanted to help bring more um, underrepresented populations of people into yoga teaching in the yoga industry. And we do try to bring them into our company as well. I'm curious because obviously that is the right thing to do. And it's a beautiful thing to do to create a space of belonging, of equity, of diversity in the yoga community, which as you said, is has been sorely missed. Wondering from a business perspective, has that increased your business or was it simply the right thing to do regardless of, of actual dollars? Yeah, well, it's hard to measure the increase in business in, in a time when the baseline, there's no baseline because COVID had such an impact on our businesses. Right. right. Um, we had to shut down all of our studios. Then we went virtual. Some of them we were able to reopen. Then we had to shut them back down. The COVID, you know, and we're still, our whole industry is building back from the full fitness industry is still rebounding from the impact of COVID. And what percentage would you say has it come back? About 70%. Okay. Still have a ways to go. Yeah. The industry, yep, does as we do, but it's steadily coming back, which is the good news. And a really good fact is this last year, we had over 200,000 new visitors to Core Power Yoga over 50% of our new students have never practiced yoga before. That's great. So the pandemic actually, and as you said, you know, fitness and wellness has become so important to people today. The pandemic put a spotlight on that, including the mental health. And there was so much during the time we were all shut down in lockdown in the early stages of the pandemic, there was a lot of free yoga on, on the internet, on YouTube, because the the studios are shut down. So all the yoga teachers aren't able to teach, but they were doing it for free in many cases because they wanted to bring yoga to people who are suffering. And so a lot of people got exposed to yoga, which was an opportunity for us. So we brought back a free week trial, which we mm-hmm. continue to have in place. To That was something that was done years ago at Core Power Yoga to attract new people to yoga to say, try it for a week. If you practice three times, you're going to feel the impact and you're going to notice the difference. And and so, yeah, we're bringing new people into yoga as a result. And don't you think too, because your yoga is heated, it is a different environment than, you know, be a classic yoga class. 
it takes a couple of classes to get used to the heat. If you've never done a heated room and then you're exercising in a heated room, you really do need that to, to really understand the benefits of it, to feel how great you feel when you walk out after a hot yoga class, because the first couple of classes can be kind of miserable if you're not used to it. You really gotta, you really need that adjustment period. Yes. And that's why we say a free week. So people see that they right. experience the transformation after multiple classes. It doesn't happen with just one class. That's why it's called a practice. This podcast will start, uh, will actually air in January. So people will be starting to their new year's resolutions. They will be thinking ahead to the new year. I'm wondering what you do personally to reset, recharge, and to enter the new year in a renewed way. I reset and recharge every day. So I'm not like a big new year's resolution person. I think most of us realize that 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 has a low success rate. Mm-hmm. But I do reset and recharge every day. I do I have learned to take care of myself that I I have a lot of people depending on me. And if I don't take care of myself, I will let them down. So mm-hmm. self-care is really important how I start my day. And what does self-care look like for you? What is your regime? Yeah, I make sure I practice yoga for one. I practice yoga two times a week with my own yoga teacher that I've been working with for over 10 years. Mm. And I um, practice at Core Power Yoga Studios as many times a week as I can. But I practice generally about five days a week Mm -hmm. um, consistently. I get outside in nature every day. Mm. I I make sure I I take in some, you know, nature and I, I, I have a morning ritual that really helps me start my day. You know, I, I used to be one of those people that got up and grabbed my phone and like, right. you know, what's there right. and then you're sucked in and that's how you start your day. And then it never changed. You know, you're just in it. Yes. I mean, I, I do say, I look at my phone first thing in the morning just because anything could happen. And I need to know if there's an emergency or, mm-hmm. you know, something at work needs my immediate attention, which I will tend to if so, but I will tend to it and then go back to my morning ritual which is I, I get up, I have my adaptogenic mushroom tea. I then have my yoga practice. I, I, I take a few minutes and do some meditation. I take my dog out. I walk around my garden um, and just see what's changed. Mm. And, and I, I do all this usually between 6 and 8 a.m. Mm. So if that's my time, my assistant knows you know, you don't get to schedule me in that time. I don't care what it is. Like that is my time. And I will be my best self if I have that routine for those two hours in the morning. You've had an extraordinary career and really it's been very fascinating. It's had a lot of different uh, ebbs and flows in different industries. I'm just wondering what you would tell a young person who also wants a career in business, specifically a woman, as she enters the workforce that has served you well, what advice would you give her? I would say, become a student of yourself. Mm. Know yourself, work on yourself. Your own personal growth and development is essential and never stop learning about yourself. You must, like technical skills in whatever you're doing are baseline. Mm -hmm. That's a must. But beyond that, a lot of people who are incredible technicians never succeed in leadership. Leadership is the ability to emotionally connect with people, reach people and influence them mm-hmm. to behave differently, to get things done or to share the vision. 
you know, and, and, and to work within a culture in the way you want to get to outcomes, to connect to your higher purpose, but to influence others, it starts with knowing yourself and you have to do work on yourself and continue to, you know, study yourself, learn about the patterns of your personality. We all have them. How do they benefit you and others and how do they limit you? Mm-hmm. And, and just to continue as a self-student and a self-study. That's that's an important self-study is an important concept in yoga, but it's a really important part of being a successful leader. It's very hard to be a successful leader if you're unconscious to your own patterns. Deep self-awareness. Exactly. Yeah. Great advice. Great advice, Nikki. It's so wonderful to talk to you. Thank you for spending this time and being on to Dine for the podcast. It's really nice to meet you. Thank you. Nice to meet you as well, Kate. Thanks for listening to To Dine for the Podcast. For more information on the show, the guests, and the podcast, head to todinefortv.com. You can find us on Instagram at todinefortv and Facebook at todinefor with Kate Sullivan. Thanks to the sponsors of To Dine For The Podcast, American National, and Terlato Wine Group. Special thank you to producer and sound editor John Golner. To the loyal followers of this program, cheers, stay hungry, and stay inspired. I'll see you back at the table soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.